when we're ready. You see, the cameras are just old phones. <laughs> the technology of it. Yeah, it's just old. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, welcome <laughs> to another Hotbox podcast. Um, I'm joined today, hopefully, by some faces that are very familiar to you. Uh, Russ Garrett Prince, Jeremy Acton, and as ever, Loyal Jules. Um, yesterday was a big day in the Constitutional Court, so we're not going to talk about international stuff or so much funny stuff. We're going to talk about the serious stuff. Are we? I hope so. You didn't invite me here to be serious, did you? Not well, as serious as we can be about it. But <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, if you don't know Russ Garrett Prince, uh, often best known for originally taking prohibition to the constitutional court a few years ago um, if you want to read more about that check out the high code we've done a great article about that but we had to focus on what happened yesterday in the constitutional court so before we get into the meat and bones of it let's start at the beginning of the day because that's all we went through we woke up <coughs> too early went to bed too late thinking about this a few butterflies in our stomach but when you got there what was the mood like I think the first person I saw was actually Gareth because he stood heads above everybody else in his gown and his bare feet. He was quite a striking person. It was. And I, you know, I have, I've only met Gareth once in my entire life and that was in 2012. He's an elusive character, eh? Mm. Wow. <laughs> Joburg, man, finally. I was the first one there this morning because I just thought, man, Joburg traffic. I know something about that, but I wasn't looking forward to that. So I just drove there early, got there early, got my books and stuff in. Wow, at this new building, man, I was I was so impressed with the architecture of this. Have you new never seen the Kung no, before? Oh, just just on pictures, you know, I'm mean, like in books before. You, you understand what those bricks were on the inside? All the bricks that lined it. I heard that the, are all the, the recycled bricks from the prison. The prison, yeah, the prison. Are the original yeah. prison bricks that they cleaned and made the court out of it? It's quite symbolic, man. Yeah, I, I, I all of it. The symbolism all over that building. Just the sacks. I mean, he had a lot to do with the with the architecture of this of this new building, you know. And Sachs, I'm mean, going to go, though Chaskelson was the president of the first court, Sachs was the heart and soul of that court, you know. I and as, as you would remember, I'm going to give a very compassionate judgment, minority judgment in, 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 in our first decision in Prince 2. Yeah, I'm going to give was one of the five judges that voted in our favor as against the six, you know. And it, hey. it's, you know, there was, there was so much that was prophetical about that guy's judgment at the time, you know. It's, a lot of it, what he saw at the time actually came became real and true, you know. He said that the judgment didn't just condemn the Rastafari community or Mr. Prince to poverty, but the whole of South Africa. And what we see what happened in the past 15 years after that, man, it's like shit, crime increased, everything just went down. You know, I mean, like the spirit of the cannabis community, I mean, it just got stronger as we went along. Yes. And it culminated in everything that we did yesterday, man. Yesterday. Yeah. But I think we grew up in resilient times. Like you said, the cannabis community, you know, in a way, we're still kind of persecuted and marginalized. So we're tough. So maybe we are a bit more hardened and have thicker skin than most people are used to being treated in SA. How's this for tenacity? 20 years down the line, he gets That's to it. see the men he wanted to see again. But I think yeah. what has also happened over the since Russ Gareth first made his first effort, A Man Alone, is that there's evolved a cooperative culture in South Africa where online and we're so connected. Yeah. Uh, that we can shift opinion polls anytime we find one. Mm -hmm. uh, we can help each other. Um, I'm very grateful to uh, uh, Bobby Greenes just for funding my ticket to come and do this. Yeah, nice one, Bobby. Thank, Thank you very much. That was a very generous it, offer. Yeah. And uh, so, so uh, it's actually there is teamwork. I wouldn't be able to float around Joburg if it wasn't for Jules and Myrtle and the people they know and and uh, their kindness in having me at the, uh, you know at the various uh, uh, venues that they've taken me to. So um, I appreciate the fact that we we can we can work together across this whole country and I hope that it will actually mean something into the future as the cannabis culture becomes a right. stable yeah. leadership culture of South Africa and centered around the tree uh, and everyone actually working together around yeah. cannabis as the future resource. Of course when Gareth first started off there was no internet there was no yes. in 99 when you were doing this the first time you didn't have any social media no the Ducker couple had got nearly 50,000 people on Facebook Yes. It wasn't even invented yes. or so. It wasn't yeah, even... No, there wasn't a duck So you had a whole other paradigm to deal with. You wrote letters yes. and put stamp on, yeah? 
That was what we did at the time, you know. For yeah, you remember stuff, that? You know? Put the stamp on a letter. Remember sending a fax. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we're, also, we're walking with Russ Gareth from the Western Cape side of this case is that the, I was always kind of, kind of in a state of worry about how do we deal with these lies and stuff. But Russ Gareth was always so clear on principles of law that the confidence was always there with me. And so I really appreciate the insights that you gave to me to mean, make it mean something, uh, make my words find their place, which was more broad and less legal. Uh, and yours was the legal. And so it's just perfectly, I think the papers, the that, are in, yeah, the yeah. papers that are in have won this fight. And if I can, just for a moment, bring us to the mood of it. You know, not so long ago, we had the, the farm murders protest. And in a way, it was sort of, the contrast we needed to see how much segregation there is still culturally within South Africa. Mm -hmm. So at that thing, you saw a lot of white farmers. It looked nothing like what South African demographics looks like. Mm -hmm. But something that has always struck me about stoner culture, if you look at it yesterday, we had traditional healers, the yeah. Rastafarians, yeah. we had Sam, white people. Yeah. There is that a was sense a real of unity. That was. Yes. Yes. We were holding hands. Yes. It looked as if between all of the people in there, they could speak all 11 official languages, which was what was written on the front of the building. Yes. It kind of looked, it was that diverse, everyone would be able to speak everything in there. And that was so beautiful, you know, I saw a group of Muslim kids coming there, all alike. And they, they you see, I saw in the morning with the blue, weren't they amazing? Yeah, and, the the white, you know, and you know, they just, they were so eager to take like a picture with us, you know, I mean, I can, they don't see us as these crazed maniacs out there to, to hurt people within society, you know? That's just, I mean, we all know that's that's the views that's been set out there by the powers that be, yes. you know, which are like a very, very small, small minority if we really come to think about it, you know? People in South Africa, and that's the beauty about our cannabis culture here in South Africa, you know, which makes it unique in many aspects, you know? I mean, if it wasn't for the herb, I would never have met all you are. That's the unifying yeah, factor, right. you know? None of it's us would be here that, now. We've always said in interviews that, uh, you know, what was the, explain, the, what's the best part of the journey? And it's actually just the people along yeah, the way. The yeah, stories yeah. you hear from the people you meet along yes, the way. The and the thing that we have in common is we just really enjoy being as blazed as we are now. Mm. <laughs> but maybe the apartheid government was right in that way because... You know, the whole part of the cannabis prohibition thing back in the day was they wanted to keep white people and black people apart. apart. Yeah. But inadvertently, it's forced us together. It was always bringing us together. Very interesting. Yes, right from the start. Always. Right. right. I mean, that's, and that's one of the things that they feared about it. Man, this whole, it's messing up this whole business, you know. I mean, like, it's causing these blacks and these whites, I mean, like, to do the very things that the, we don't want them to do. Yeah. The Funari. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, like, that's yeah. classic. Just being, being real with each other as well. It's not even about chasing a, a darker skin or a lighter skin or be, being friends. Um, and it was actually about just being real with each other based on the vibe that cannabis gives you. Exactly. We, an acceptance and a respect that, that comes from you being, not being prepared to just only force your cultural background on somebody else. But being prepared to yeah. see the other brothers. And we're breaking right. down barriers, man. I'm mean, like, and that has always been the thing. And we know that's that's a beautiful thing. That's something I mean, like, that's that's what the world it's, needs. It's something they don't trust. They can't have that. They need divide and conquer. The people stay in power by creating strife. But for all of us Ubuntuists to get along together, ooh, no, no, no. <coughs> they don't dig that stuff. And we don't really have a lot of like, you know, role models. We look like the pioneers of this thing. I think you're a role model. Yes, no, I, no, I, no, I think you are an archetype. You're an archetype to me <laughs> because if I had failed doing what I'm doing now, I don't think I'm, it's not over, but I don't think I'm going to fail in getting weed legalized. But if I didn't, I don't know if I could pick myself up. <coughs> you know, you did, mate. You that's, did. That's you got, you, you got back it. on the bike. Yeah, no, but, sure. But you were yo you're younger then. I'm nearly 60 and I don't think I can do it till I'm 70. God. Now that's the thing. I just want to get stoned and do podcasts. I didn't have a wife at the time. <laughs> I didn't have kids at the time, you know, and I was just a young Rastafari. Right, right. Vibrant and ready to take on, you know, this bull by the horns, you know. And, well, and through Japawas, that's what we did because that is what I was called year four. You know, I always told myself that if I could work towards the freedom of this herb, I would have considered my life 
significant and a success. Excellent. You know, because, and for me, it's always just about the service of the plum. If I can do a tenth of the things that cannabis can do, yes, man, I'm mean, like, I'd be good. Nice. I'd be good, you know, and we want people to, to realize that, not just to think when it comes to this herb, that it's about being stoned. The point that I've always stressed, it, this plant is going to put us to work. This notion that cannabis makes you lethargic and <laughs> amotivational is bull-bully. Yeah, that's yeah, what we're talking about. We're talking we we want to work. Yeah. That's what, we, that's what we're talking about. It really is for you the know? opportunity, isn't it? At every, exactly, at every level, man. Every for level. the healing of the nation. You know, that's, that's what we've always said. And it's for the healing of all nations. Yeah, man. All nations, you know. I think we've reached a stage where we've conscientized enough people where the lie can no longer hold sway. No, the cat's mm. out the bag. It's it's out the bag. Yeah. 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 And you know what? Even if it does give me schizophrenia, what? What's your point? <laughs> What's your point? Yeah, sure, you just enjoy more selves. <laughs> I need the friends. Me, myself, and we. <laughs> so, gentlemen, I think I, I can fairly say you have seen the inside of more courtrooms than many people in South Africa. Yeah. Now, funny. I've also joined you. I've gone to the Cape Town High Court to see what's gone down. We've been to the North Gauteng High Court to see what's gone down. And I hate to bring up the materialness of it, but... Physically and emotionally, going to the Constitutional Court was a very different experience. The Cape Town High Court, beautiful as it is, it's got an oppressive feel. The North Gauteng High Court has got a very oppressive feel. Yeah, low ceiling. And then you go to somewhere like the Constitutional Court and you can almost sense the freedom. Did it strike you as feeling different or was it just a material thing that didn't matter being at the Constitutional Court? I enjoyed the High Court in the Western Cape as well, I must say. Having gone in, walk up those steps and down those steps uh, for many stays of prosecutions and efforts like that. And so you get to know the place and the people and the clerks who are supporting you and it's all five positive help along the way in every office. Um, so And having um, actually been able to deal with Judge Davis and uh, 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 Saldana. Judge Saldana and Bokwana and get to just see how they they worked it for me it was i felt very frustrated that my papers weren't really considered by the high court but i thought that it was a, a good step along the way the high western Cape case yeah and for me it was the, the the contrast between the two courts was just great you know the western cape high court Vestige of British colonialism, isn't it? Yes. You know, it's like, yeah. man, it's like, yeah. and it's the constitutional court was like, no, man, it's like, it's day and night, you know, I'm going to give me the contrast. Yeah. And I can say that this whole notion of, you know, you being under the stand, you know, the judge being up there, like in Rasta, we, we, we don't like to say, I understand. I understand. We, we, we prefer to say we overstand. Yeah. Because if you understand, I mean, you're not really there yet. You know? yeah, okay. Once you've mastered something, you're on top of it. You're over it. You know? So the whole architecture of the Constitutional Court in itself, it, it, it gives a greater sense of like, belonging and in the sense that, well, you might get the justice that you that yeah, you're hoping does, to get. Yeah, you Nelson know? yeah. Mandela said, I felt like a black man in a white court. You know, and standing there yesterday, I'm like, and to a certain degree, you know, we, the cannabis community, we also felt like aliens, you know, I'm like being somewhere because of the fact that the difficulty that we've had to get, get these there, mothers to, get, to listen yes, to us, you know, I'm like, and we're thinking that, why is it that you are insulting our intelligence? I'm like, are we the ones that see the logical, the reason here? Why come it is that you highly paid people? Don't get to see the logic or the reason that the, yeah. the average man in the street recognizes. <clears throat> you know, that is, as it's been, I had a tani in peril, man, like a vestige of Afrikaners, <laughs> AWB type of yeah. people, man. A 70 year old tani stopping me on the street and encouraging me to continue with what it is that I'm doing, man. Now, that for me was just like, oh, so tremendous, man. That, mm. you know, the average person can see. Through government's bullshit, <clears throat> but our highly paid politicians and judges they can't, which 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 makes us think that yo man, somebody has have stacked the deck here. You know, I'm mean, like there's there's some sinister conspiracy type things going on. You know, I'm mean, like on on a deeper level, but For none sure. of that needs to matter now because 
we've got them to where we need them to be, you know, and where we need our people to be. And the hard work, as a matter of fact, actually lies in front of us now. Yeah, oh, we said that too many times. Actually, now manipulating the legislature. Now they need to yes. know what the options are because we're going to say legalize it and they're going to go, but we haven't, it's never been done. But now, Jules, how do you feel about the fact that we say that, look, in South Africa, you've got this legitimate problem of the fact that millions of people, they don't have access to the basic things within society. Yes. Mm. Now, we are saying cannabis should be the most viable poverty alleviator in this and country. Equalizer. And we are saying that it has the potential to do that. Yeah. Now I'm saying that, listen, give people to f the freedom to grow the stuff. Let people grow the stuff because what arm can it, can it do? Ooh. You provide oxygen. You, <laughs> you, you want to flip a nose on you want to say No, no. What real arms are we yeah, talking about, right. you know? Let people grow at the end of the day. That's what we need. We need the fiber. We need the seeds. We need everything of it. You know, that's not the crime. But we need to turn those things into the textiles, into the bricks. You know, I mean, where people can live and into the stuff that people can eat and drink. That's what we're talking about. Now, I'm afraid that if you just say, right, a free all for all, that big business is just going to come in and take it away from us. Because they are the ones who own the land. They are the ones with the capital. So if you just say a free all, then that means that there's nothing that prevents them from taking it away from the average man. And the fact that we see that big business doesn't care about us. They, doesn't, they don't care about socioeconomic interest. No. So I'm, I'm all for a situation where people mustn't be able to send to jail. You must have the freedom to grow even if it's 50 or 500 plants yes, that you want to grow. Because like, <clears throat> like some guy said, you need 500 plants to make a little bit of oil. So it's not to say that 500 plants, oh, now you're going to be supplying the whole neighborhood with it. No, no, yeah. no, no. Those irrational yeah. fears that people had was created in a framework of illegality. And we need to get rid of that. We need to focus on the fact that this is industry. We've had, the, we've had this conversation on the podcast about mm. personal use. What is it? How much is it? Do you, somebody smokes a joint a week, they can grow a plant this big, maybe four of those, put them in the freezer, they're good to go. <coughs> but to get two grams of oil, you need a heck of a lot of plant material and you need to do it every day if you need it every year, you know, all, all year. So we've had this discussion. It's actually, um, you can't quantify it. But this thing, you mentioned the word free-for-all. One of our detractors, the Doctors for Life, use that all the time. That's their mantra. But it will be a free-for-all. Because right now it is. There is no regulation in any form. Yes. Right? That constitutes a free-for-all. So you're saying that everybody should grow this with absolutely no benchmarks or regulation or any uh, societal norms, age limits. That, no, 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 no. I don't think that's, that's what we... What we would be saying. Just checking. Just see. I'm just checking because yeah, yeah. when you use the word free for all, doctors for life have this idea that it means Alice. Everywhere. Oh no, no, but it is that now. This, you know? this is what before I forget. Now, you, it's one thing to have a regulation or a law. It's another thing to say that if it's going to work, if you're going to be able to apply it to enforce that. Law. Sure. To enforce that thing. But if so, I may as well, Judge uh, Justice Sondor yesterday brought up a very good point. He said. How much is enough? Because there is no context for a lot of these people. And he said, is 20 grams enough? What? What is there a limit? What is that limit? What is reasonable? But I see, Jeremy, you also, you, you have a point to make. I think if we're bringing in whole new resources into a society, we've got to, re to create a unique structure for that resource which benefits the people and which is the people and which the people agree to. So... Instead of us all as individuals in the corporate reality and the rest of us unemployed, running around at the behest of corporations who presently control existing markets and resources, we as a people have to evolve a tribal structure on the ground that is as equitable as possible, that manages the tree and regulates ourselves. We don't need state big brother looking at, co it comes down to localized cannabis cooperatives on the ground where anyone, um, and I'm using the DACA party format for this, anyone in a ward must join together and form a membership list, a stock fill if necessary, a discussion group on issues in the area, get to know each other, work together, and be the stable leadership of that community to the extent that you can. 
How do you feel about the, the Uruguay model, where they, they basically just said the state controls everything, yeah. every aspect from, from the beginning. If you, you grow, you sell to the government. But what is I the like, state? I like their motive. The motive is to kill the black market because it's not a growing region per se, it's a trafficking region. And they're sick of people bringing it through. That's what they're trying to do. And selling it a dollar a gram is to kill the black market. But if you let people grow it, they wouldn't have to sell anything. They'd, they'd have it. So if you want to kill the black market, kill it by letting people grow it. Yeah. And because if you don't give so us the what market, we want, we're going to get it anyway. Well, the black market becomes the green market. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> if I can just get back to that structure that we must think about. Write that down. We want a people-orientated uh, cannabis economy rather than a corporate-orientated cannabis economy. Yes, yes. So... Uh, it means that we do actually have to mobilize to, to, to manage our resource, protect the genome in our area, sure. think carefully about how we manage our seed and select our breeding programs, etc. How we then relate laterally to other groups in other bioregions or just down the road in the next ward. So it becomes a flat governance structure that is online and it doesn't cost a fortune in salaries of corrupt people. And, and it actually supersedes this British parliamentary structure that is in place, historically in place. And, and there might be a crossover relationship between this new flat network centered in every place around the tree and talking to governments as it stands and also having enough muscle on the ground to now uh, bring a balance to the corporates. And we might still utilize corporate uh, uh, filling stations for, for hemp petrol. We're not trying to put them out of business, but we need new relationships between the communities that are producing cannabis everywhere. Yeah, that, and corporations yeah. and the state. And, but we have to be incorporated ourselves as communities to be able to speak and with great voice. If I may, because, and I think yeah, this, this is the devil's advocate in me, we say we want to keep our big business, which I agree, this should be for the people, by the people, how much government involvement, I'm not sure, look at PRASA, look at SAA, look at ESCOM, look at all these things, so, oh, but we say we want to exclude them, then, then maybe a limit does apply, not a limit necessarily in the sense that limits you and me, but a limit that limits them out, where do we draw that line? How do we say, how do we define what's corporate? I always, use, I always use the analogy of the SA breweries mm. and the craft market, craft beer market. They've got their state-owned whatever they've got, and it like, takes 20 days to make cack beer, and it's cheap for the masses, and there it is, have it. It's, it's, and you're in a liquor store on every street corner, and then there's people making short runs of real ale and they're selling it a 60 rand a bottle because there's only 200 bottles exist mm. those can, so that's uh, that's the people who grow high-end weed because we're connoisseurs not because we want to sell it to kids we want to use it we want we, we just enjoy the product so the state can have their twack and fields of it in the free state millions of hectares industrial have it put it in your shops and put a barcode on it there it is there for the masses but leave us alone to have a craft market i hope that is how cannabis like that says that There's enough for everybody, Gareth. There's enough for everybody. Exactly. And I'm reckoning that the only time when I think that you would need a license is if you're interested in growing 50,000 plants. Yeah. But then maybe, you know, maybe then, they would, then they yep, would have to be... You should limit the big guys. Yes. Mm -hmm. the end of the day, well, and then I also 50,000 plants. That... Or that. Yeah, big four we meters sativas on but the side I think, of the mountain. I think maybe there is legislation, and don't, I'm not an expert, but perhaps there is agricultural legislation in this sort of context as well. Or maybe it's a question of the subsidies only kick in at a certain point to make it economical for people to enter that segment on that scale. Sure. <laughs> Government need to incentivize small-scale farmers, basically, to be... Because at the end of the day, brethren, in a democracy... The people, in theory, makes up the government. Democracy. So now, the fact is, well, what the fact that we have a bunch of twats in power now. I mean, like, that means it, it doesn't detract from the principle. They are just assholes, I mean, like, that are applying the principle improperly. Yeah. Now, I trust that we can get a group of people that will be able to apply the principles properly. Occupy. You see, so that they could be proper governance. You know, the fact that we have that, that we've got Parkers messing it up for all of us, 
you know, doesn't mean that we should abandon the principle <coughs> at the end of the day. And this, because the resources of government, it's ours. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, being no, corrupted, I'm like, it's being wasted, you know, I mean, like, by people that doesn't have vision, that doesn't have compassion, that doesn't feel for this it's soul. It's people. They're all ancient. They yes, have no idea what's going on in the 21st century. They're exactly. in such a paradigm. They can't envisage what no prohibition would look like. Yeah. It's impossible. But then them. our youths today, I mean, you find that they've got a... Man, I mean, with due respect, the youths have got a very low level of awareness, I would say, I mean, like in this day. Politics, politics. And the thing is, it's it's because we haven't had proper guidance. You know, yeah, I mean, like we need to... We, we, the, the ones that should lead, should lead. Yeah. We'll get there, but now also I started picking up tones of what you're saying yesterday when you swore up in front of the judges because now you're in the court, you're not facing just two or three judges, you're facing a full bench of judges and it must have been nerve-wracking. So Jeremy, what I really took, because you know I hear all the things over and over what people say, prohibition, cannabis and so on. So what I really took from what you said when you were up there was how emotive you were about it. I could hear how heartfelt it was and it resonated in your voice. So it was very genuine, but what was it like standing up there in front of all those judges, some of the best minds in the land? Well, I, I had a good uh, overview of all the stuff that had been written just by having got, like, gone through the process. Um, but I didn't really know exactly what format was going to happen, how it was going to uh, be arranged for the day mm. and what time was involved or anything. Yeah, well, nobody did really. So I had a few points that I did want to make. Um, the fact that this big debate about the, um, in the, uh, the, the, the classification of cannabis as an undesirable substance and versus the fact that it actually, my, his, my point of view and research in history shows that it was of criminal, the prohibition was originates from criminal intention so and I'm not very much interested in discussing the the uh, the, the finer details of undesirable mm. or the classification the whole classification comes from something that was criminal that was and and I felt that I felt that um, I was just talking to ordinary people okay that they were just said, ordinary yeah, people they were not it wasn't higher up. They were they were on our eye level, and um, I, I just another thing was my complaint. That my papers were not attended to by the state. They were not attended to by Judge Davis, as they put them to one side and wrote their thesis about privacy. So these these papers are kind of weird from my layperson side. You have gotten all the way to the constitutional court without even being considered. Okay, <laughs> How and now they suddenly they have to be considered. But I think it shows and more, Jeremy, that they 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 weren't ready for you. You know, it's like they they haven't really made that transition yet. I mean, like from being those who sit up on high and looking down low. You know, and that is not what judges are supposed to be like, you know, sometimes they need to extricate themselves from the, from the immediate situation so as to have a bird's eye view, so, so that they could give an overall perception, like, if they an oversight. How overall. often does somebody in civilian clothes actually speak to them? Exactly, you know. did their heads in as well, eh? There's ten guys there looking down thinking, when was the last time I saw somebody in a blue suit and a white yeah. shirt doing this? He looks sweet, he's meant to have a black gown on or something. Oh, no, so yeah. it did. It, it, uh, it was a privilege to actually uh, see how this pathway after being arrested for cannabis and going all the way through the magistrate's court. 50 bucks. High court. 50 bucks. Uh, oh, yes, the 50 bucks. A 50 rand fine. I, I refused to pay a 50 rand fine for a teaspoon of seeds. <laughs> oh, and, and, and I said, I'm taking this to the constitutional court. And the prosecutor said, oh, you're opening a big can of worms. And, and, and it just went on from there. And how many years ago was that? Our uh, first arrest was 2011, uh, been, January we, the 3rd, 2011. We went to our first court appearance on in February 2011. So we've been running concurrent all along and it's gone like this with dates. You got you appeared first, we got there second, we did what we had to do and all of a sudden we had the opportunity to just hit them with one big thing because it's doing them the favour. We're not wasting the court's time. The courts are full. We don't want to go back for a trial of the plant or anything, do we? Yeah. No, we want to have a, a result now. Three months' time. Stop putting people in jail and let's legalise this yeah. shit. 
it, the other thing, if I can say, is that Jules's timing, this, the, the Stubbs and Clark uh, uh, pathway as it started, they were using lawyers. And I was just this dumb pig farmer in the Karoo. <laughs> and I was able to get hold of their papers and at least see the format. And then I would start like, like literally typing it over because it was like from a, a dead PDF. And, and then the, I would be smoking a lot of weed to cope with the stress of all of this. And then other words would sort of like flow in as dictated by the cannabis as how I felt about my, my, my rights to hallucinate. <laughs> and well, that's like cognitive that. liberty. Yes. And, just and, and so, and how I see it from a religious <laughs> and spiritual, I put stuff in there that, that really, I just did want to get it into the record. I didn't want to debate it. It was just going to... Bro, it wasn't just in the record. It was in their face, man. <laughs> and that is what scared them. You know, it's like the what, stuff what that is, you as an ordinary person spoke, you know, yeah. and, what the, is and just, the powerfulness of it. What he's just described about the right to hallucinate is now written into... Uh, Don Mahan's submissions mm -hmm. to why the motivations to why we could come become co-applicants and since the very beginning the only thing I've been able to offer the court as uh, an expert in my own trial is my own mind yes because nobody else knows about it and by default the expert on me because who else would know so in in terminology it's called cognitive liberty not the right to freedom to think but the right to think on whatever you want to be on, to think it, because you want to change your consciousness to think in another way. Now that's, that's what my liberty is. This is this unlocks portions of my head that I don't ordinarily use. But in the West, we think mind-altering is dangerous. Oh, that's that's drug speak. You know, that's prohibition speak. Yeah, that's exactly. No, they no, don't completely. want you to alter your mind Jeez, because no. they want you. To stay on with, yeah. with your with it, your eye claps on. It comes from imperatives in certain uh, uh, religious traditions. The fact that you must not be intoxicated. Well, that's undesirable. Yes. That's where that comes from. Undesirable is a moral <laughs> judgment. Oh, how undesirable. Uh, can we have that in a scale of 1 to 10? Really undesirable or just a little bit? Did God say that or what? <laughs> now, that's where the subjectivity comes in. And we are saying that if, you, if you're a legislator... You know, you need to, to dwell in the realm of objectivity for what that, I'm not yes. how much that worth. But subjectiveness just means that, you know, it'll, any one of us can decide, like, it's like what I like or I don't. Now, if you base laws on the basis of what it is that you like or not like, then <laughs> such a law is arbitrary. That's the legal word for that, you know? Arbitrary. And what we are saying that <clears throat> at the end of the day, there was, and, I, and that's what I'm going to put in my written submissions at the end of the day. We don't need evidence. You don't need shit <laughs> in this for dusting your armor because we have what we have. And then you judges, you need to deal with your legal principles. The legal principles that you say <coughs> our profession <laughs> operates by. Yeah. I gave them to you. I spelled them out <coughs> adequately enough for you to make up your minds. Yeah. The expert in this regards are you. You don't need anybody else. Yeah, no, that's true. You are the guys. That's what you are paid for, a million and a half rand a year. That's what you get tenure of office for. Do your job. That's all that we ask you to do. Yeah. Do your job. And your job is, is to come to the assistance of a small group of people within society that needs your assistance, that parliament hasn't done anything about for the past 17 years. Mm -hmm. So we need your assistance in order to put South Africa on the track of recovery. Mm. You know, that's what we need at the end of the day. One judgment, down. one judgment can do that for us. Mm. You know, because the cannabis community, I mean, like, we've conscientized people and we ourselves are fired up enough to take this bull by the horns. You know, I'm mean, like, to take the initiative. I remember Credo Mutua, him saying that the one that is first to walk past the village of the cannabis usually ends up in the pot. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the, the way must be paved. And we need those courageous ones mm. to, you know, to stick it on himself that no, I mean, I am going to walk past that village. Mm. You know? That's I mean, a good I can, it's, it's, You know, I mean, I guess we've had people like Jules and Myrtle and Nathan and Jeremy, you know, I mean, like, like myself, we've had the courage and the faith, you know, to see us through. That's why we see that as Ali Selassie teaches us that with faith, courage, and a just cause, 
even in this 21st century, David can overcome Goliath. We have always spoken the truth since the day we were arrested. Where did you get the weed? What have you been doing? What? It's ours. We grew it. So, what? What do you want to know? This is take it or leave it, you know? Yes. And that, because we do that, because we say the truth all the time, we don't have to remember what we said. Exactly. You can get you seven can years later, you don't have to remember what story you made up. You just be the truth. You just be the truth. And, and, it, and I'm glad I did, because seven years ago, it's kind of getting a bit hazy seven years ago, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and if I can, you brought up a, another Sasson point yesterday that... And I think also what you were saying now earlier, there may be an appetite with the court. The one justice said that now the onus of the proof is on the it's state. On the because effectively, the law was just written, as you say, on a subjective take. So it was never, there's never really been any test of the law. So I hope there was some truth in what you said, that the onus is now on the state to justify this. Because they couldn't quantify anything it was yeah. purely subjective, this law, and it's sort of stuck in its own motion. But what you also said, and this for me has always been a contentious point that's overlooked. Prohibition does not operate within a vacuum. So, yes, we can say uh, maybe weed helps or doesn't help with like cancer. Maybe it helps or doesn't help with people with mental issues. Maybe it's good or isn't that good for you or whatever. But with all those studies, that's wonderful. What we don't see is no one looks at the costs of prohibition. Yep. What is the price of taking that child's parents away? Like you said, what is the price of killing someone's economic future with that criminal record? Right. No one counts that price. So say, yeah, maybe it'll make me a bit loose in my pit. That's okay. But if you're going to prevent me from doing that over 40 years of my life by fucking it up at the beginning with a criminal record, go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely sure. right. I think this is the question that the youth must ask. At all levels, in the activism and even to the ballots in elections 2019, is do I want a future that just criminalizes me for this plant, or am I going to learn about it, or and utilize it as a resource for my sustainable future? And what do I have to do to make the choice of this plant as a resource for my sustainable future? And I'm sure that. People know how to adapt and move and mobilize in South Africa on issues. And I think that the Dache issue must be the elections issue in 2019 as well. Yeah. And as we as a culture must express our power politically to put the right people into that house of that nation, of our nation, um, and, and then uh, actually be able to more effectively write our own legislation that we the the, the culture of yeah. cannabis agrees upon. Yeah, we have to. So ideally, but let's see how it plays so out. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Off the top of your head, what percentage of South Africa uses weed or does it, condones the use of it? I would say that based on the opinion polls that I've seen on Twitter and uh, the various uh, radio stations and stuff, we, we as a culture can mobilize an opinion poll up to 80% for the legalization. And I just hope that we can take that same ability to mobilize collectively via um, connections, media, etc., to influence, to see if how we can influence a ballot for the good, and, and, be the, and to occupy what has to be occupied, be the people. You would, well, I would definitely say about seventy percent. Yeah, of the I'd people. say two thirds of the country. Yeah, yeah. yeah. at this mm -hmm. stage, and and then also I think that with with education, you know, I mean, like with opportunities where people get to make up their own minds because for most of the time they've been fed lies and most people they do not have the critical faculties been, or the ability someone like to investigate these right. claims that have been made because these claims have been made by powerful people in our society mm. you know like people that people look up to have spread these lies people and who define our existence it's well entrenched and and i mean like we i'm confident that especially within these times that a lot of things are favoring us in breaking down the stereotypes, breaking down all yeah, these illusions. Especially, yes. yeah. And the um, I think the main thing is that people need to understand that this is not just like, you know, ah, oh, we're stoned and uh, just chilling out. Because we need to put South Africa to work. And that is the angle, I think, that in this day and age that we need to focus on. Get away from this, just selling herb to chill out, but growing herb in order to grow a better future. To make a house. For the yes. House, yes. House, house. You know, kids that, that finish my trick nowadays, man. They've got no hope or no future. It's like you, you're saying, go learn how to make bricks. 
You know, go go learn how to make paper. You know, I mean, like there's there's science in cannabis. Yeah. You and know, we can we can running. make science attractive to kids through cannabis. Yeah, uh, you know, and the cannabis is uh, the science of cannabis is what's got us to this point of the constitution. Because yes. in 1997, the endocannabinoid system was not really part of it. Just barely discovered at the right, time. You know? so if I can open another can of worms leading on from legalized <laughs> cannabis, I have to say to every young person and to everyone in South Africa, if we can all look each other equally in the eye and give each other's children equal opportunities, we have to understand that in a new cannabis economy and everyone equitably participa participating in real production means equity in access to land. That means we have to redivide our country up in such a way that everyone gets a fair amount of area of cannabis that they can grow for the sustainment <coughs> of their families to the extent that it, we might resettle uh, abandoned villages and as long as it's done ecologically and scientifically we've got to go back to the trees guys and that means create cultures which work uh, put our young people in into land and the cultivation of cannabis. And that requires legislative intent. Yeah. And we yeah. have to like, be there. That's, that's, that they really want to make it yes. Well, and that's the thing. And, and that's the apathy. I mean, like, you know, most people forget that in a democracy, the most important office is that of citizen. But here you have a citizenry that is semi-literate, apathetic, most of the times. And we've got to change that. You know, I mean, like with positive information with podcasts, you know, I mean, like with social media, because we live in this day and age, we live in the age of technology. Yeah. You know, we need to make use of it in order to break down the barriers wow. and the illusions wow. because we can do it. And the, the, our times are just charged with that. Welcome to the hot box. That's, yeah. what, we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do Straight in, 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 in a relaxed way like this. So and communication like this can go right into every taxi on the roads and it can go into everybody's cell phone. So let's work towards being that connected for the good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's that brings us really nicely to our next point. You know, obviously we're all optimistic about this. We wouldn't be here and doing this if we didn't feel that we could make a difference and see a future in this. But something I'm seeing internally and, you know, with people who've been having this, this discussion for a long time now is, yes, constitutional court must legalize. But in your mind, what... What is your sort of five-minute pitch on what you think legalization should be? And we've got to think about things like youth use, cultural use, as an intoxicant, as an industrial, things like that. So what would be the ideal outcome if the, if the constitutional court were to come out tomorrow and say legalize, and this is how we want it done, what is your ideal version of that? You, will see, you see, the thing is the constitutional court cannot order legalization. The constitutional court can only say... Parliament, your current provisions in respect of cannabis regulation is unconstitutional. Change it. Mm. Right? The court is not going to prescribe to Parliament what the form of your regulation should be. Because under the separation of powers doctrine in our country, that's Parliament's duty. Right? So we, what we would <coughs> ultimately want to see is, that, is the freedom of cannabis. I believe that terms like legalization or decriminalization... That's just, that's the paradigm of the downpressor. We need to talk about the freedom of the herb and freedom comes with responsibility. That responsibility needs to be in the form of some form of regulation that at the end gives people the freedom to grow their own medicine, to, to grow that symbiotic relationship with the plant again, you know, to allow the plant to, to, to share her energies with us. Well, we so want that to, to, to happen in a spirit of freedom and responsibility. Whatever form that take is, is what we decide it should take. Because it's our plan, it's our country, and our politicians should allow us to determine our futures as we want to see. So we're talking about freedom and responsibility. Responsibility that can take the form, at the end of the day, that we want it to be as responsible beings. I think there's room in a, in a future legalisation for that philosophy. But I think there is mostly going to be everything. There will be cooperatives. There will be state-sanctioned grow-ups full of twack with barcodes on. There will be every single thing. Hopefully be the craft market of people who pay income tax. That's it. Yes. That's all there is. If, we, if it's a business and you're selling 300 pints of hemp beer a day at the Byrisher Hof, <coughs> then you pay income tax on what you just made money on. And the plant doesn't get taxed in any form. 
But people pay income tax. That's, that's, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't, it's kind of how life is. We also have VAT, which could cover that's anything it. that's happening on any little product sold made out of them. So um, we are saying basically it's like, yes, we recognize that we have to level playing fields to some extent. But we are saying that we are perfectly capable of doing that and simultaneously give effect to everybody's wishes. Well, most people's wishes, you know, in, 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 in creating a sustainable and a positive cannabis market. I, mean, I feel that South Africa, more than any other country in the world, has got the ability to do that. Mm. You know? Well, according well, to you, what's his, uh, sorry, Advocate Bukaba, I think he may have got his numbers a bit wrong. I don't know if he got his research of Wikipedia or from the Encyclopedia Britannica 87 because he claimed that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he claimed that South Africa is the biggest producer and biggest exporter of weed in the world. Yes. I was like, maybe, I'm not sure. Yes, yes that's gold star. So, uh, I'm not sure about so, that. South Africa. South Africa and Africa. Uh, uh. I always quote it in the top five as a generalization. Uh, I thought maybe third, it vacillates. Nobody really knows. How can they know? Can they know? Yeah. Twice yesterday. And 10% will become problematic. How the hell do you know that 10% of people who smoke weed have a problematic use of it? Because nobody owns up to smoking weed. We do it behind closed doors. And them. who would go and say, I'm fucked up on this stuff, <laughs> count me. You'd be, have to be pretty fucked up to say you're fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you see, this 9%, I've gone into it, Gareth backwards and backwards it goes into a, a psychology manual in 1987 it started coming out via the fda and the and the propaganda uh, it's propaganda and there's nida the national institute of drugs in america yeah, yeah. government funded fed thing there's nine percent started coming through it started in a, in a manual of how to treat psychological disorders it's got an, an acronym and we followed it. There's 9%. It's totally elusive. It means fuck all. And twice <laughs> yesterday, it went up to 10%. So since the trial of the plant, it's gone up one more percent. So people are getting really messed paranoid. up. Prohibitionists are getting paranoid. Totally. But it's going to serve It's going to serve the media houses right. Because I think that's the saddest thing about all these like Sunday times and that closing as well. Is what are Oaks going to roll their low-grade weed with now that you don't have to paper anymore. That's the greatest loss yeah. to all these guys, so fuck them all. You can roll it out on your Kindle. <laughs> well, you can do the pips on your Kindle. <laughs> wow. Gentlemen, you know, the world's starting to, to digest what's happened yesterday. A lot of news coverage, it's great. I think we got uh, Concord Dacher to trend maybe a little bit in that. But the big question I'm getting, and I'm seeing a lot of people get, is what happens next? Mm -hmm. Is there something that happens in a few days? What happens after that? No, 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 no. Well, one thing you yeah, have to make about... A few days after that, no, <laughs> it's going to come, it's going to come. The legal profession, they say one thing, I'm like, justice grinds slowly but surely. Now, I'm sure about the slow part, mates. I'm not so sure about the short part. So this is probably going to take them three to four months, I would reckon. And especially, I mean, like now with this, all this other shit that they have to consider like now, because they're going to want to cover their asses. You know, so I think, I mean, like they're going to take some time in making this judgment. So we probably should expect something, I would say, around about, um, hopefully, March, April. And the way, I, the way I read it, there's two things going on now, because there is, the, do they have enough information to go on? Yeah. Or do they, or do... I mean, uh, they, need, they need to ventilate the evidence in the trial of the plant, is what the state was saying. They're not finished yet, the state. So do we go back to do Pretoria? Basically. Which is basically, we, we wouldn't be able to until after it's been judged on, and then we'd have to wait for a date after the judgment. So it goes on and on and on and on down this track. Yeah, forever and ever until I'm over 60, and it's like... I can't wait any longer, though. I need this to happen. But there was that issue, wasn't there, yesterday? In closing, what do we do? Do we go on what the privacy is and not reading DACA 1 to 4? Or do we have the trial of the plant and rearm the state with ammunition because they can come out firing on all six with the experts from all over the planet? That's the other thing. We don't really want that to happen. No, but we've said them, I mean, like, and I said in my papers, all over the world where government attempted to prolong the matter or to buy time yeah. or to just fucking obstruct justice. Obstruct justice. That's what they've said. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, we need more evidence. Uh, we, we, we need to get this expert. Right, right. You know what I mean? And you, I mean, you'd be able to find experts for any side. 
You check so many so there's there's always I'm like for our experts, there's ten of theirs on the other side, and but ten that they've got, we've got a hundred on our side. You know? So at the end of the day, it's like it's it's some it's wasting time and it's it's it's, it's muddling the waters. And if I may, and it's like you say, mate, money at the end of the day, most of us can't afford I'm gonna have to go to a fucking high court case for a year like on, on an end. No, no, you, you need millions to do yeah, it. When I was counting their fifty grams on the backs of their heads, you know, if he's done fifty, you'd be on forty k. Jesus, she must be on twenty five k. And cake, and this is unlimited resources of the state who can mess with us like little people forever if we're Look not how, careful. How long they've been at it since yeah. since the consolidation thing? Since hundred years. It's like, oh, man, Bakaba, I'm telling this 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 court case must have cost the state at least three million. Yeah. So and, far, and if I may, it didn't cost the state. And all the fucking millions are paying for it. Yeah. But if I may, <laughs> the court and the court brought this up. The court, because if I may, and I'm going to play nice, DFL, all that. I'm going to go there, but gently, <laughs> gently. Just the, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm just going to do the top. Just the top So, so rolls his sleeves up. <laughs> for you who weren't there, the court cut DFL out. And cut the state out of, about this because they didn't go so far as to say you saw obstructing justice. But particularly with the state, they said, guys, do you really want to cost the state more money by just dragging this out, dragging this out? Which was, I think that the court sees that. It, it is, in a way, an obstruction. You're just being a stick in the mud. But DFL particularly, they had joined very last minute as friends of the court. This means you come to support the court's decision or just to help them make an informed decision from what I understand. Yes. And so DFL got in there in the last minute without anyone knowing and Reg Willis got up and he basically just criticized the court, said things oh, like that yeah. over the whole process. He said the high court, you got it all wrong. Everyone's overextending, overextending. Mm -hmm. And I think it may have been Justice Cameron who stopped him and verbatim told him to stop complaining and that he was whinging yes. and grumbling. And when asked why he hadn't, why DFL hadn't taken on your case or gotten involved over the last year or two that it's going on, DFL said, pleaded ignorance. I didn't know about it. <laughs> I don't know about it. And then the judges, <laughs> and then the judges went on because they were like, mm, this is a bit weird. So they said, are you here to help the court or not? Yeah, you're an amicus or what? Yeah, why are you here? And he was, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so... You can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the gist I got of DFL's participation yesterday. They were there to simply, like, playing the game that the state had been playing all along. All along. And just uh, concentrate on the dangers of cannabis ad nauseum, and then the court will see, no, but shit, oh, no, we can't do this thing now. Because there's there's the risk ad of nauseum. danger. Ad like, nauseum. you know, and, and we say no, but I mean, like, really, they, they didn't come to assist the court in any way, I mean, like, in an objective manner. So listen, I'm like, this is, they were basically saying, well, no, the judge erred because he, like said, he overstepped. Yeah. He did what parliament was supposed to be doing. The court was called upon to answer, like I told them, one question. Yeah. Is it proper for you to arrest people in a democracy yeah. for doing something that is not harming others? Yeah. Within their homes. That's it. That's, that's it. That's, that's the only question that's that's the right. court was called upon to answer. Yeah. The fact that the solution is difficult. Right, is not an answer to the state. It doesn't mean I'm mean, like that. Therefore, we can't change the law. Yeah, like hemp looks like weed, so it's illegal because they can't police it any other way. Oh well, like Don was say, we're going to treat it the same because we don't know what to do. Now, as Don was saying, I'm mean, like, well, I'm mean, like, he cleared up the legal position, but then in practice, they allow Tony's shop to operate. Mm. He's not run down for selling illegal products yeah. because. He's, I mean, like, there's this de facto legalization of him. You see, but because the whole thing is that when this case of mine broke in 20, 2001, 2000, well, when it broke, it fucked up the whole hemp legislation that they were planning. South Africa was due to become the 29th country in the world yeah. to legalize him. Really? I didn't know that. That's yeah, the that's in 2000. That's the 99 or so. 90, I was sitting, I was with her at one of these okay, government so meetings. Okay, so that's the original cis guy and the trans guy. Okay. Yeah. This is initially in, in 21, like I'm saying, and then they, when, when this whole case broke, they put a halt on that. Oh. 
Oh, you see, because now they, they, they knew I'm going to get the time. And so, is that from that opinion? Or is that, no, that's, that's how fact. it is? I didn't, I've never thought of it that way. Because there were so many hemp wheels yeah, there was. in the it late 90s and, and they and just... all of a sudden, yeah. all the 4 by 4s got sold and the, and the trees... In, in 21, that's how, I was a director of House of M and I resigned. That's I'm with Tandekal and them. They put me out of the meeting, bro. I go there with Tandekal and them. I'm like, they refuse to go on the meeting. I'm sorry. Around yeah, around yeah. Okay, DFL. Go back to DFL. Around yeah, it's he, she who shall not be named. That's another whole podcast. It's like Red Rizzler. Red Rizzler not welcome. T word not welcome in this one. But I get that one. Yes, yes. In fact, but you can't say T. You can say many things. So you see, that's, that's where already I'm like one saw that, oh, no, no, this is a snake in the grass. Yeah, you check. But I think we should have you back for another episode on this because I think it's worth a real chat. And it's nice to have some insight because as outside, outside observers, we can only read the little bit of info that's available from them. True. There's no perspective. But guys, I think we're sort of coming towards the end of the podcast. Uh, a bit of a shout out. Jeremy, you got a nice vaporizer there from Vaporwise, guys. They're one of our supporters, longstanding Thanks affiliate. Very much. It's a summit vape. It uh, really works well. It's got a nice big chamber. What I really like about it is the magnetic cap. Very convenient. Piece <laughs> and it really makes the most of your high grade. Thanks very much to Vaporwise. And what is it like exhaling it in the high court, in the constitutional court? I, I, just, to... I exhaled it... Uh, at the front door of the constitutional court and the okay. security guard came out and wondering what was that slight smell there. Because it's a different smell. It, it's not it's like really, ganja, it's really. Yeah, it's a vaporized it's smell. I actually yeah. have to admit I really burnt it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Catch the bowl, eh? <laughs> sure, thanks very oh, much. Oh, one love, one and love. And then, man. are there any websites, anywhere we can keep up with what's going on, if we should follow Twitter... I think dachaparty.co.za. Uh, yeah, it's uh, .org.za, but yeah. I think the co.za takes you to that okay. website. And look on the right-hand side, get yourself a brochure. Uh, there's a, a thing about, there's a presentation about choosing your future, and there's a call for a, a, you to participate in the Dacha Revolution for Elections 2019 for a one-love vote by the culture. Mm -hmm. Great. Gareth, anyway, we should follow you. Anything you think we should be paying attention to as the cannabis culture of South Africa at the moment? Well, man, now all I can say is just keep on doing what you guys are doing, man. As Well, I must say, this Rastafari hasn't got really with the technology as all of those things. I've been quite weary <laughs> of that. I've been under the grid. But yeah. I think it's about time now for me to come out of the closet, man. They've made it easy. The times, yeah? They've made it very easy for people like you. It's not scary anymore. <laughs> no, it's not scary. It's quite, it's quite easy. We'll, we'll see you online one day. For real, man. Soon, yeah. soon, yeah. For soon, I reckon. Yeah. Definitely going to take some and, tips, um, yeah. Thanks for taking some time out to come to the podcast at short notice. Thanks but for seeing oh, as you're well Cape Townians in, in Joburg, that's quite a thing. So we grabbed you while we could. Sure, thanks. It's a really nice little place that you've got. Yeah, sure, it's got a lot of history. It's, it's got a lot of history. Yeah. Really, really, this is... This is prohibition. Yeah. This like is how crazy this stuff yeah. gets. It's, it's like we as Rasta say, <clears throat> it's his story. <laughs> now time and I, we're talking about clearing up the mystery yeah, so yes. that we can tell our story. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully, you know, with time we'll get to a place where an essay issues its first 420 Rand banknote. And hopefully yes, one of you saw on it. Printed on <laughs> yeah, and the back by, backed by cannabis in the fields. No need for fiat currency and no need for a gold standard. We've got green gold. We're we back our rand by cannabis in the fields. Great. Um, I think... We're close. We're close. I think hopefully by the next time we see you on this, it's celebratory joints and white Yo, parts and yeah, all that. Celebrating yeah, already. Guys, thank you very much for joining us. Please subscribe, share. If you want to hear a little bit more about what went down at the Constitutional Court, www.thaiko.co.za. Got a KIF blog out there about it. And Jules, I don't think there's any more updates from the Dhaka couple until things um, happen. We are now with... Behind the Constitutional Court, that was all consumed. We were not quite sure what we are going to do, but we do have a live to keep it all together in the mm -hmm. background, so maybe we'll get back to that for a while. But there will be a podcast next week and a week after and a week after, because apart from it being loads of fun, it's completely unique, and you get to speak to guys like this. You see, these are real live people, and um, uh, you, for, you for one, when I came up to you yesterday, I'll say the same thing again. Well done for your tenacity, matey, because um, it would be hard for me to do it twice, yeah. but you've got my respect for just sticking it to the man, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you put your light in your guidance along the way in terms of finding out how to say what I felt I had to say 
about cannabis and, and about our rights and what the future of cannabis can be. Sure, cool. You know, the consolidation just said it all, man. We need to consolidate and yeah. originate. Cool, yes. man. Cool. This is the bit where we awkwardly sit in silence while we wait for someone to cut the scene. So. <laughs> <laughs> while you're waiting with us, again, subscribe. Cool beans. Let's smoke some shit. All right. Well done, guys. Thank you very much. Great. Oh, thank cool you. Vibe.